It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Any other questions, guys? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 646 of Locked on Raptors for Thursday, January the 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, as always, please make sure you're checking out the Locked on Podcast Network. We've got a whole lot of stuff for you to check out. The big story in sports yesterday is that Gritty is currently under investigation for punching a kid at a Philadelphia Flyers game. It's the greatest story of all time. I implore you to listen to Locked On Flyers today with Rachel Donner and Danielle Butcher. They have you covered entirely on Gritty Gate and uh, also some other cool stuff on the NHL Network. Kendall Coyne, a star of the U.S. women's national team, is going to be joining Locked On Blackhawks with Jay Zawoski tomorrow. You should listen to that for sure. And so if you're a hockey fan, we have some very, very cool stuff for you on the network for you to check out. Subscribe, rate, review all the shows that you want to support as always. And that's very much appreciated. All right. On today's show, the Toronto Raptors beat the Philadelphia 76ers 107-95 to extend their home winning streak against the Cowardly Sixers to 15 games. And joining me is someone who was in attendance last night for the game. It is Katie Heindel. Katie, what's up? Hi, man. What a game. <laughs> yeah, no, that I so I didn't see this game live. I was doing Raptors 905 play by play for Saga 960, which was a lot of fun. Henry Ellenson showed out in his first game. That's cool. Um, so I watched this game on PVR when I got home, and I was just like 
really impressed. Very weird game. The Raptors set this weird record where all six of their scorers had 15 or more points, and they had no one with less than 15 points who scored. Super strange. Um, but, you know, the Raptors come away with a win against the Sixers, which is kind of, I, I guess, rote at this point. Uh, what were your big takeaways from the game, Katie? Uh, it was very boring at first. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty sluggish. Um, the Raptors didn't come out looking too together. Uh, and the Sixers were sort of like pounced on that initially. Like I, I thought at first, like the Raptors were really getting outbodied, actually, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because like I don't consider like I know they some of them are, but like I just the way they play and the way they've always played against the Raptors, especially at home in Toronto, the Sixers don't really strike me as like a big team to kind of push mm-hmm. Toronto around. Um, but they were they were doing that. They were kind of like getting around the defense, which felt weird and was weird to see initially too. Um, and Toronto's offense, like, not so great to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I it didn't it wasn't like worrisome. I I don't think at any point I was like, oh, they're not gonna eventually get a handle on this, which they did. Um, pretty much like coming out of the out of the half. So. Like and the energy thankfully picked up then too, so it became a mm-hmm. much more of an enjoyable game to watch. Yeah, their defense in the second half was insane, and I had the pleasure of watching this game on PVR, so I knew the final outcome. And I'm sitting there with you know the Raptors kind of trailing. I think they were down like 66-58 at one point with like four minutes left in the third quarter, and I'm doing like score math in my head, and I'm like, oh, they outscore the Sixers by like 23 points from here to the end of the game, and there's only 16 minutes left. This is going to be fun. (laughs) And I mean, their defense in that stretch was insane. The zone they rolled out seemed to work. They got Simmons off his game, which I guess is not the most difficult thing to do in the world. Um, And like, I think the Sixers were obviously hurt by not having Josh Richardson. That was a bummer to see him go down so early, and with no MB out there for Marc Gasol to toy with uh it was a bit of a different experience it was yeah it was like rough at first like with um when Richardson went down and then Mm -hmm. Pat McCall like getting hit in the face at first it was a little bit troubling like is this gonna be the tone of the game Mm -hmm. you know uh yeah yeah it, it didn't turn out that way but it was a bummer it was a bummer at first yeah, just like it's such a weird experience watching the Raptors play the Sixers without Embiid as well, right? Like he yeah. brings such a like cocky but doomed energy whenever he's <laughs> playing the Raptors. And honestly, like the Sixers are a lot more difficult to guard, I think. Like I don't think they're better without Embiid. I think that is wrong and stupid, but I think they're a little more difficult to guard without Embiid just because they're a little less predictable and it's so much of just Simmons getting downhill and running into you, which is difficult and painful, I'm sure, as Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry, I'm sure, can attest after taking a charge from uh, Simmons with a full head of steam at one point. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it was sort of a bit of an adjustment for the team, I guess, to realize, oh, our defense isn't just Marcus all walling off Joel Embiid, and they're playing a different style against us, and this is not what we're used to from the dozen or so matchups over the last year. And so I I would maybe sort of accredit that a little bit to the slow adjustment of the defense. But man, in the second half, they were everywhere. They were swarming the like, I mean, and I mean, they just started hitting everything too. Fred Van Vliet with his six of seven threes. Um, I got word from my mother that my grandma, who is the biggest Fred Van Vliet fan alive, was just like screaming about Fred hitting all the threes. She's like, little Freddie, little Freddie, uh, which is. <laughs> 
just my favorite thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> any DM that includes the phrase Little Freddy is uh, just melting my heart these days. Um, and even through like a rough Siakam game, there was enough from Fred and Norm and Abaka, who was really nice off the bench. And then Gasol, who was seven of seven, freed from the shackles of having to guard Joel Embiid and just able to go and be offensive. Just, uh, you know, a, a game that the with when the tide turned, it never felt like the Raptors were going to surrender it. And I guess that speaks to the sort of psychological hold they hold over the Sixers. I don't know. <laughs> they just seem to feel pretty confident <laughs> when they're playing against them. Do you could you get that sense at all last night? Like, is there anything in like the post games from either team or the pre games from either team that sort of alludes to this sort of magical power the Raptors seem to carry over the Sixers uh, tied to last year's playoffs? Well, like, first I'll say to just go back to, um, like, the Sixers playing without Embiid. Embiid, Embiid gives them this kind of unified approach. And I think, if mm-hmm. anything, his his not being there and, like, his removal of that makes them all these kind of disparate, more, like, wild pieces. And I do think, like, that's kind of exactly what the Raptors had a hard time getting a handle on. Like, mm-hmm. knowing who to stop and when and, like, where to look. And then you have guys like Korkmaz who became, like, extremely physical like players like kind of bully players which was weird to see you know and like i i like shake milton a lot but like you had him kind of in these explosive moments where i think you know Embiid Embiid just shapes the team a little bit better when he's there i don't think simmons is like that kind of leader for them mm-hmm. um but no like before the game i mean before the game um Brett Brown acknowledged it he was just like I don't know (laughs) he's like yeah historically we don't have a great time here (laughs) Um, (laughs) like he was pretty good like good-hearted about it I think he was just like you know sometimes you know what it is but there's other times when you really just don't um but I think this was like the closest they've ever come uh Mm -hmm. and it was probably just taking advantage of the Raptors like sticky start Mm-hmm. Um, which is something for the Raptors to keep in mind going forward, you know, as they're going to meet the Sixers again and again, and then, and, and like the, the heat and like kind of teams like that, that are more relentless where you can't really give them an edge, especially going into the second half of the season, like you can't mm-hmm. give them two quarters to like run away with it, you know, <laughs> or like give them that kind of space. Um, I don't know. Like there wasn't anything else really like, pregame like Brett Brown had such like amazing things mostly to say about Mark Gasol's parents <laughs> right <laughs> um, about Kyle Lowry which was like really wonderful to hear um he I I always had kind of like a hesitation to to like him if anything I had a sort of controlled animosity toward him but after mm-hmm. last night I really like him <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not the thing to say on this podcast, but whatever. No, it's fine. Brett Brown's cool. I'm a convert. Yeah, I'm a convert. Yeah, no, Brett Brown's cool. He's got that weird hybrid New Zealand Brooklyn accent, which I find to be enjoyable. Cool. Yeah, I was really like, (laughs) um, lulled by it. You know, I was like, yeah, thinking I'm like, man, I was just staring at his face and like zoned out at one point, and for some reason the thought came to me. I was like, man, if I was ever in a fight. This is who I'd want. <laughs> I wasn't really 
<laughs> I wasn't really paying attention to Brett Brown's uh, state of looking yesterday during the game as I was just like flipping through on PVR. Um, what was his beard situation like? Was it disheveled? Was it because uh, no. I, I find that Brett Brown's beard usually tells the story of his mood pretty well. Yeah, it was a pretty close crop. Um, mm. But he has really he has some really like luminous looking skin for um, end of January, <laughs> I'll say. Luminous looking skin is a phrase only you could utter, and I'm glad <laughs> that we've gotten it into the show. Uh, we'll continue talking about this game in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you might have some questions like, are you going to find good applicants to choose from? And what about education and experience? And how will you know if you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants really, really fast. You can also add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicant's abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash lockdown, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your very first posting. That's indeed.com slash lockdown for a free sponsored job upgrade great on your first posting terms conditions and exclusions apply offer valid through march 31st 2020 no matter what moves you made last year TurboTax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move did you relocate for a fresh start well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, Katie, let's continue uh, addressing this game and the Sixers in general. I, I mean, the race for the two seed is like severely ramping up. And the way you just referred to the teams like the Heat and the Sixers, and I think this also applies to the Celtics, the Pacers and the Raptors. Like all of these teams are extremely relentless and will not stop and are just like they come in waves of annoyance. And the two seed race is, is is heating up significantly. The Raptors right now are a game back at the Heat who keep winning in overtime against bad teams because I guess that's their way of doing things. They're eight and oh this season in overtime games. And I guess that's because of your pal Jimmy Butler being just uh, a menace and <laughs> carrying them to wins when needed. Um and so, like, I don't know. What, what's your sort of read on the two seed right now? You saw the Sixers game last night. You've seen the Heat play a bunch because of your pal Jimmy. Uh, the Pacers are going to have a home-and-home home with the Raptors coming up very soon as well. That should be interesting. How are you sort of handicapping this two seed race that I feel like we're going to be talking about all season long? I think what's happening with the Heat right now isn't sustainable for them. Like, I think mm -hmm. they're on a little bit of a, an arc, and, like, that's great but I do think it's naturally going to decline. I mean, first of all, like you can't, like a team can't sustain themselves winning in overtime that many games <laughs> in a row. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they can't, 
it's just like not maybe Jimmy Butler can, but he's still just one man on that team. So mm-hmm. I think just in terms of how things are going to even out, like if anything, I would actually be more worried about the Pacers and how they seem to be kind of accelerating in the standings um, and like finding, like finding the new rhythm almost. And like, that's a team that I even like going into the season when they were not playing well to start, but just like looking at the team abstractly, the Pacers worried me a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like, I think the Raptors are in a good position because now, you know, you've got this like fully formed team again. Um, they were playing well through all the injuries, but now that everyone's back, like there was a bit of a sense of that last night, like dudes getting a feel for the rotations again. Like I'm not worried that Pascal hasn't been playing that well. Um, mm-hmm. He's just like, this is a larger tangent, but I think there's something to be said for like, though he's kind of in this year of like stardom and like facing down like what it means to be a star not just like i mean kind of like the external approach of that and like all the attention he's getting like he's never had that before and i think there's mm-hmm. going to be a period of adjustment for him so like even if he if the raptors get into like a playoff situation yes we're going to need him to be effective but i'm not really stressed out about him getting there you know like you know he's got it in him and then we'll we've got all the other support uh, of the team he can kind of afford to look a little bit spotty some nights mm-hmm. um yeah yeah sorry go ahead carry no, on i i'm just thinking like the raptors are like i think i think they're they're neither going to fall but i don't think they're gonna have some explosive um rocket like up the charts. I think the heat will naturally taper off. I think the Raptors could just kind of slide into the two seed because they're just going to stay in this steady state that they've been playing in all season so far. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to someone who yesterday on the podcast said the Raptors were going to finish with 60 wins. Uh, So (laughs) I think I, I'm more on the side of things are lining up for them to really take off here. Um, And I I, I kind of believe it even more steady. I mean, like, there could be a steadiness to them going forward and now like winning almost every single game. You could look yeah, at that. Yeah. You personally could look at that as like, that's explosive, but I'm kind of like that was almost, that just seems like the natural trajectory that they're headed. Right. To. Yeah. A natural 60 win pace. That yeah. feels right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt even more confident in my assertion last night, not only because they now only have to go 30 and eight as opposed to 31 and eight to get to my 60 win prediction. Um, <laughs> but I think just seeing the way they played while Siakam was clearly going through it a little bit. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, Siakam had a weird game. He started off well, didn't finish well at all. And his offense felt really forced at times. And you could even hear on the broadcast a little bit. Normally, Jack Armstrong's most uh, sort of in-depth Pascal Siakam analysis is like those oohs and ahs he'll release when Siakam does something cool. <laughs> and otherwise, he's usually pretty positive. But he a couple times last night, he was sort of noting like, all right, he's forcing it a little bit much here. Like, move the ball, dude. And I don't disagree, but at the same time, even with Siakam having a rough game where it really felt like he was trying so hard to get things going when it just wasn't going to happen, his defense kicked ass. He was mm-hmm. so good on that end. He had a couple like huge individual stand-up possessions. He swatted away a ball, I think, from Ben Simmons late in the game to force a steal. And like that's the kind of stuff that, you know, 
a lot of guys who struggle on offense don't make it back on the other end because of you know reasons or whatever. But he does. He he has that in his bag, and that was just really nice to see. And I guess my roundabout point is that even in a game where Siakam looked like that. Uh, it just this team seems to be so able to fill in the blanks when there is a bit of production lacking and you have Fred who can come in and bang up above threes and you have Norm who's apparently just the the sixth man of the year now all of a sudden <laughs> and it just it, it's a it's a well-oiled machine where it, it just feels like at any moment they have five or six guys who can score a bucket for you and don't have to rely so much on Siakam, which felt like at the start of the season, that was kind of what this team was going to be about was all right, Siakam go carry a 30% usage and see if you can drag us to the finish line. It seems like almost all the injuries and the different levels of responsibility that have sort of been thrust onto guys has kind of just sort of leveled everybody up a little bit. And so I'm feeling very confident that they're going to be able to rattle off a bunch of wins here, especially now that with the Sixers game behind them, they pretty much only have two games against the Pacers that are difficult between now and the uh, and the All-Star break. So feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to have like 36 or 37 wins by the time the All-Star break happens, which is pretty cool. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, On the note of the standings, just to go back to that for a second, the... As of right now, if the playoffs were to start today, which they don't, but they if they were to, the Raptors would be playing the Sixers in the first round in that 3-6. I think that's been a matchup most people have wanted to avoid all season long. Uh, how are you feeling about that? If that were to be the matchup in round one, would that scare you uh, if, from a Raptors perspective? Or is that something that uh, you would frankly relish and you think that's one of the matchups that maybe is more suited to the Raptors? It wouldn't scare me. I think the only th- the thing that I would point out would would be to just like underscore what I said earlier about like you can't you got to go in with a better plan and just like being way more cohesive from the get out you know like it would be mm-hmm. scary if if you had like a, especially like a long series against the Sixers where they sort of dominated the first half of every game and then you got you had to like pull out all the stops to win you know what I mean in the last half mm-hmm. just because like that kind of energy it's hard for anyone to sustain um and like you know we've historically seen the raptors uh do some crazy things in the fourth quarter but we've also seen them <laughs> not be able to like get cl- just close just close enough and then have like a you know someone make a crazy shot or just like really close wins get taken away from them mm-hmm. uh no it doesn't scare me i can't say i can't say that any team in the East really freaks me out in terms of like, I mean, the Bucks just because like, you know, they're on such a, a like a steamroll, mm-hmm. but there's still ways to like figure that team out. And they're like, the Raptors have done it. And I'm not trying to be like overly cocky and be like, yeah, we, we beat them already last year. What's the, big, <laughs> what's the big deal? Cause it's a completely different situation, of course, but yeah, I don't know. Does it, does it freak you out? Uh, a little bit. It, they're the mm-hmm. team that I'm most fearful of of a first round matchup, I think. And it might just be 
latent respect for Joel Embiid and what he did in the playoffs last year, despite having, you know, butt problems and a whole bunch of other things going on. He was he was really good and like was a plus 90 or something like that in the minutes he played in that series. And that freaks me out. Even if Gasol is there to sort of be his foil, I think the the defense that they can throw out with Embiid. And I, I honestly, I was a little freaked out last night watching Al Horford and Ben Simmons kind of team up to guard Siakam because as much as I don't think because of his three-point shooting above the break, the Sixers can afford, uh, afford to put Embiid on Siakam anymore, which was obviously so effective last year. Like Horford and Simmons as a backup plan is pretty damn good. And there's no more Kawhi to have to devote Simmons to. And look, there are going to be ways you can exploit them. Like I think Tobias Harris is always going to be a matchup liability. And, you know, their defense itself is going to be excellent. And the half court offense of the Sixers is not exactly terrifying, especially when it's Simmons and Embiid playing together and clogging space and everything. But I just, I. I feel like the sort of discourse about the Sixers and Embiid and Simmons has gone so far to the negative that it's it kind of covers over how good they actually are and how like yeah, transcendent like their defense could be. You can never like discount Joel Embiid and like you can't especially this year like I think when he comes back he's going to have in him like and this is not just because I read his amazing players tribune article <laughs> but I do think <laughs> when he comes back He's going to have this kind of renewed sense of um, not just purpose, but just like he wants, he wants it differently now Mm -hmm. because he went through, he went through feeling like what it was to lose it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think like he's always a threat. Like he's just that type of player, you know? And it would be, it wouldn't be like, a no-brainer type of series it would be a series where the raptors every probably every not just every game but then like like every quarter or like you know getting close to the fourth quarter like almost like every other minute of that game you'd have to be throwing out new like new configurations you know like i think that the sixers Mm -hmm. have shown that they can be pretty crafty like brett brown knows what he's doing uh he can be very frustrating to the Raptors. The players can be very frustrating toward the Raptors. Like, um, Tyrell, like, Neto was weirdly, like, kind mm-hmm. of a loose cannon last night in that game, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of frustrating, and, like, plus just, like, your clear, you know, like, Al Horford is intimidating 100%. Yeah. But then there's all these guys that we haven't really seen, um, like, their full capabilities of like how annoying they can be and like pestering. <laughs> uh, and those are the, those are the types of players that tend to like break down like a, even this like impenetrable seeming Raptors defense that we've been seeing all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're freaky, man. I, I, I think I, if I was like to rank the teams that I'm scared of in a potential three, six or four, five, mm-hmm. I think it goes six or one. Celtics two, Pacers three, Heat four. Does that sound right? No, not to me. <laughs> what? You, okay, what is your ranking? In the East, I think it's like probably Bucks. Um, well, the, I'm not counting the Bucks. I'm just counting two through six. Like the. Oh, sorry. The mess, okay. Yeah. The mess so there. probably. Um, Heat, Sixers, Pacers, Celtics. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. This is a notedly anti-Celtics podcast, and I'm sorry for putting out pro-Celtics rhetoric, rhetoric uh, just now. I just they they their numbers are very good. They are like their their statistical profile is very similar to the Raptors, and that they're just awesome all over the place. And mm-hmm. I guess Daniel Tice is really good. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of I'm rooting for the Celtics like some sort of chemistry nuking trade that they're not really realizing will nuke the chemistry. But like it's like an, an upgrade on Tice that actually ruins them, like mm-hmm. a Tristan Thompson or something like that, um, <laughs> <laughs> which would be cool. But I don't uh, particularly envision that. Either way, I think that's probably a good place to leave this, unless you have any parting shots or stray thoughts about the parting shots or stray thoughts. That's the new, new closing segment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to say I'm pre- I was pretty disappointed um, because I didn't get to talk to Mike Scott last night. I was going to let him mm. know that he was the winner um, of oh. Summer Vacation Watch MVP, but uh, he like s- snuck out in plain sight as I was talking to Kyle Quinn. Oh no! Which is like well, I'm, kind I, of like, I'm glad you got oh, to talk well, to another one of your faves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't. I'm not like complaining that hard because like I know Bill will be back, uh, but and because what i was talking to kyle Quinn about so i was sort of like in a daze actually so someone could have probably just like i don't know like a like a pack of wild dogs probably could have ran past me and i wouldn't have noticed <laughs> so maybe mike scott didn't leave that quietly i don't know <laughs> <laughs> he was actually saying katie katie talk to me i read your thing on summer vacation i want to talk to you about it and then yeah you just yeah. didn't know because you're no, so I entrenched in his beard yeah <laughs> Uh, all right. Dial in the league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Well, hug last night at the end of the game. That was nice. Did I see what? Oh, Kyle, Kyle and Kyle. Kyle and Kyle, the two greatest Kyles in an embrace. I did not see that. Um, I will say, I will forever be indebted to Kyle O'Quinn for getting Kyle Lowry into shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back when uh, Skinny Kyle first emerged, the first photo was with Kyle O'Quinn at the top of a mountain. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's on him. Um, I did, I'm I'm gonna have to go watch that embrace now. That's a good embrace yeah. to you got. To yeah, you watch. got it recorded. You could just watch it over and over. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna do it. I think for today, Katie. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, lots of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for once. <laughs> so, everybody, for the month of February, uh, I'm gonna be the uh, Raptors in-house writer. Woohoo! Which is very exciting and something I'm incredibly stoked about. Uh, mm-hmm. For the whole month, features by me. Super for dope! I can't wait to read them. They can't back out now. Um, <laughs> and. I also want to plug, if you're not, I mean, I, I feel like everybody listening to this podcast is probably aware of this or should be, um, but the Dishes and Dimes podcast, of which I am a part, uh, a roster mm-hmm. of like nine amazing, smart, like incredible women, women-led Raptors podcast, but also NBA podcast. Um, first episode came out this past Monday. Second episode uh, we will be recording this weekend. I will be a part of that one and will come out next monday so listen to that 
absolutely listen to that. Dishing the Dime is going to be great. The first episode was awesome. Uh, and speaking as one of the many, many straight white dudes hosting a Raptors podcast, <laughs> I am very thrilled to be joined in the Raptors podcast scene by those wonderful, intelligent women that you mentioned. And you guys rule. And I look forward to hearing the show and hopefully working in some of the guests from the show to help promote you guys a little bit. So, yeah. I, uh, very happy to have you guys in existence. It rules. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also uh, buy We the Champs if you haven't bought that yet. I don't know why you wouldn't have. Go buy it, though, if you want to relive the glory of the title. We're getting close to the one-year anniversary of the title, and I guess we're not really that close. It's like seven Halloween. months, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ghost of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, oh, too true. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Sad. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Kai Bowman. Uh, anyway, that'll do it for today. Katie's gonna stick around because we're gonna record a mailbag episode for Friday. So uh, that'll be fun, and uh, we'll you'll hear that Friday, Saturday. I might drop one of the old Patreon episodes as well as a makeup for not doing an episode on Monday. Uh, but until then. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.